0: Morning. Oh, good. All right. Amen. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh, Everybody's still asleep? Freezing. Maybe you, maybe your lips are frozen together. We um, had a, a good chill New Year's Eve. Hopefully, y'all did too. Um, I, for one, I don't necessarily love the cold wind like it is now, but I'm loving the temperature and you can hate me for that if you want to, but, uh, I love this time of year. Um, uh, I, I love as brother Tony said earlier, uh, just a fresh start, a new start. And I'm excited for what God is doing and what he's going to do in and through our church. And, uh, we've been praying and I'm just, I'm excited. We, in a couple of weeks, are going to reveal our theme for this year. I'm excited about our theme and it's going to be neat to see what God does uh, through that as well. But uh, we're going to jump back into this um, for uh, actually next week, not not a couple weeks, next week we're going to see the theme. Um, we're going to jump back into the study on the church and uh, get back into this. But we left off, if you were, have been here, with the Apostle Paul, uh, Barnabas, and Uh, The missionary team that they were on, they were going back on their journey. The Bible said to strengthen the disciples that they had made along the way. And um, these cities they first traveled to weren't necessarily easy cities to travel to and through. And uh, this included some of the cities they went back to were places that they were stoned or or they were uh, imprisoned. They were um, persecuted. They also had some opportunities we saw as they went back through uh, to preach the word in some places that they might not have had the opportunity to preach before. Um, but they went back after that to their sending church. And we talked about that. They reported to those leaders, even though they were leaders themselves. And that showed us point number two. And so if you were here, again, this has been about three or four weeks ago, uh, you know the, these are the two points we saw. Number one was our attitude, our obedience, and our faithfulness to the mission Show Jesus' worth to us. And again, these guys valued Jesus. They, they were living for him, serving him above everything else. And so their attitude, obedience, and faithfulness to the mission that God had called the church to uh, showed Jesus's worth. And I believe it shows the same thing in our life today. And then the second point was what I said a while ago. Our submission, regard, and esteem for the church showed Jesus' worth to us. And again, they, they went back to that sending church In submission to the Lord because it's His church. He bought with His blood. Uh, it's, It's His body to accomplish His purpose. We are to fulfill His mission. The Bible tells us that we are members of His body. And again, when I believe today, and maybe now more than ever, at the end of the church age, I believe we should be holding the church in high esteem. It's the church of the living God. This is the church of the living God, Almighty God. We should have great res- respect and esteem for this body of believers and for what God wants to do. Again, we've entered this new year, 2022, and uh, God, by his grace, has extended to us another opportunity to fulfill his mission, to redeem the time for his glory. And I, I'm, again, I have to ask the question, will we do that? I, I'm excited of the potential, but will we? Will we redeem the time for his glory Or will we miss the opportunity he gives us? I I say this, 2021 to me, flew by. I mean, again, especially in comparison to 2020, um, that was a weird year. That seemed like it drug on forever. Uh, But 2021, man, it seemed like it just flew by. And I think that time is just gonna continue to uh, speed up as the closer that we get to the Lord's return. But will we redeem it? These first believers set a great pattern for us to follow. And I think we've got to ask the same question, but will we follow that pattern? Will we follow the pattern of the church throughout all of the centuries that it's been in existence? And so I want to pray this morning once again and get back into this study and see what we can get from it. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for all you do in our life. We do thank you for another year. Thank you for bringing us through 2021. Um, Lord, just as um, Brother Tony shared earlier, just some opportunities that we have now in this new year i pray that we would take full advantage of it just as the song was just sung uh, lord the trials that we may have gone through uh, the losses the struggles all those things that maybe have have happened to us in this past year uh, god you didn't bring us through that for no reason Um, we know that uh, as we turn our eyes to you and as we continue to follow you in faith uh, that you are working for us a far greater glory than anything that we could experience in this temporal world. And so, Lord, I pray that we would set our eyes on you. I pray that in 2022, now that we're in this new year, God, that we would look ahead. As we're looking back, uh, that we would look ahead and, and see what you have and, and follow that path. Lord, we ask you to bless now. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 15, verse 1. Some of the men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses... You cannot be saved. When Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, I love how the Bible uses words like that. They had, Look, they, they, they got into an argument. They got into, uh, the Bible says, a great debate with them. What was determined is that they, they would send Paul and Barnabas uh, down to Jerusalem, the Bible says, to the apostles and the elders concerning this issue. Again, we see once again, the submission and yielding the regarding of the authority of the church. We're going to get into that in just a minute. Verse 3, it says this, Therefore, being sent on their way, look at these words, by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. When they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received, look at the words again, by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. However, there were some of the sect of the Pharisees who who had believed, and they stood up, and they said this, it's necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. Now, again, they were talking about, hey, it's all great and good. It's amazing that the Gentiles are getting saved like you guys are saying, but you guys need to go back and tell them they need to be circumcised and still follow the law of Moses. So we know that the Bible tells us there were these Judaizers. they were these people that were trying to draw the people back into obedience to the law or submission to the law for righteousness. And these, these apostles, Paul and Barnabas, while they were gone, again, these Judaizers taught that circumcision was necessary for salvation. It had to accompany salvation, is what they were telling them. And again, out of all the many things that we could grab from this, um, I, before we get into the points, I, I definitely want to emphasize what I said a while ago the authority by which these apostles were operating. It's the authority by which any servant of God of, operates. Any any Christian operates, and that's the authority of the church. That's what Jesus ordained. And we talked about it many times. There's no doubt in our mind, no, even in our life experience, that we have maybe sometimes had our confidence um, uh, diminished or damaged in the church because of people. But no matter what man does, it still does not take away the authority that Jesus has given the church. No matter who may hurt your feelings, no matter what may happen to you as a church member, as a Christian, it still does not negate, it still does not dismiss the authority that the church has on this earth. Jesus gave it to it. Jesus gave the authority to the church. And so again, that's what we see these men operating by. That's what they were operating under. It's the same exact thing that we should be operating under today, is the authority of the church. There's no lone rangers, there were no separate members, but as scripture says, it's very clear in Romans chapter 12, verse 4, among many other scriptures, it says this, for just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise those gifts accordingly. If it's prophesying, preaching, proclaiming, then do it according to the proportion of his faith. If it's service, you've been given the gift of service, then in his serving. Or someone who teaches, the gift of teaching, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, the gift of exhortation, in his exhortation. He who gives, the gift of generosity, with liberality. He who leads, leadership, leadership. With diligence, he who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. So each member of the body has been intricately pla- designed, placed, given gifts to accomplish the will and the work that God has uh, authored for the church. It's also important to point out that those who were truly saved, the Bible says, brethren, it calls them, had great joy because of the testimony that Gentiles were being saved. And so why wow, that's such an important thing? Because the religious crowd were missing that joy in hearing that people were getting saved. They were trying to add grace, add to the grace that God had extended to these Gentiles. So, hey, you got you to circumcise these guys. But there were those along the way in Samaria, the Bible says, one of those cities, again, that was interesting. They had great joy hearing that Gentiles were being saved. But this religious crowd were saying, hey, you've got to add something to this grace. You have to add something to this salvation. And in this case, it was the rite of, uh, right of circumcision. They said that you have to be circumcised in order to be fully saved. So, Well, that's, that's a weird thing to do. It was a rite that God had given to Moses for a specific thing. It was a sign. It was a showing of their faith. It was something that was given so that it would point to the spiritual circumcision that would happen under grace. But point number one this morning, again, we could pull out so many points. I think this is such an important point to, to, to highlight, and that's this. If you add works to grace, you miss salvation. If you add anything to grace, you miss salvation. I think there are so many people who believe that Jesus is the only way Maybe there's some people in here that, that we could ask you to raise your hand and you would say, I believe Jesus is the only way to salvation. But I got to give my effort too. And that's where we miss grace. I think sometimes we think that we can be good enough still. Even as believers who have, who have been saved by grace, we, and, and this takes nothing away from our obedience, our attitude, or our works, um, in obedience, in faith, none of those things. But I think sometimes we think that we can be righteous in ourselves still. I, it, it's easy to, to you know, say, well, I don't think that way. No, 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 go with me on this. Sometimes we look at other people and we, we have a judgment on them based on how good we think we are, Right? Somebody does something, somebody doesn't do something, and immediately we we come up with a judgment that they are either wrong or we are way more right. We have this this attitude that we can be good enough. We have this attitude, this mindset that that we are are righteous enough. Again, there is nothing that you and I can do to gain salvation. There's nothing that we can add to this amazing gift of grace that God has given. And, And even once we are saved, there's nothing that you and I can do outside of the grace of God. Nothing at all. It's all in, the Apostle Paul even talked about that, standing in the, great, uh, the grace wherein you stand. This, the, the only opportunity we have to do anything for the king, for the kingdom, the only opportunity, the only thing that we have is grace, the grace of God. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. These Galatians were some of those people that were really affected by Judaizers. They were really um, damaged in their faith. And the apostle Paul addressed a lot of this in his letter to them. Uh, But in chapter two, he says this, he said, I've been crucified with Christ. And he makes it very clear, right? He says this, it's no longer I that live. It's no longer me, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then he says this, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Or he died in vain. Again, not just for salvation, but for living. We cannot do anything without grace. It's essential. It's vital for salvation and in salvation. There's absolutely nothing in us that is good. As we look forward to 2022, I think it's important for us to remember these truths. Romans chapter 3, verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. If you think there's something that you can do to help God save you, if you're here this morning and think, well, I, I'm just trying to be a good person, I'm trying to live a good life, I try to go to church, I try to treat people right, I try to if you think that you can do anything to help God save you, you cannot be saved. It's by grace. Alone through Christ alone. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For grace, you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Galatians chapter 5. Again, later in his letter to the, the Galatians, he wrote this. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. If you think that you can add anything or help God in your salvation, Christ is of no benefit to you. It doesn't matter that he died on the cross. It doesn't matter that he rose from the grave. If you think you can do something to help God save you, it's all in vain. He said, and I testify again to every man who receives circumcision, that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. He said, you've been severed from Christ. Paul uses this, this, um, this uh, allegory, this, this illustration to um, make the point very clear on this, this mutilation or this severing, this circumcision, this cutting off. He says, if, if this person, any person, tries to add anything to the grace, and at their, again, their instance was circumcision, if you try to do this, then you have been severed from Christ. You've been cut off. You who are seeking to be justified by the law, you've fallen from grace. You've missed it. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. He says this You were running well. We came to you, we preached the gospel by grace through faith in Christ alone you received it, you're running well, but who hindered you from obeying the truth? He says this persuasion, these people that came in and, and taught you that you had to do these things, it doesn't come from him who calls you. And he makes the point that Jesus said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view, but the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment whoever he is. So whoever the the Judaizers were, whoever came in and influenced you to think that you can add anything to salvation, that you can help God along in your salvation, that you can even help God along in your sanctification. That's what I was saying a while ago. Sometimes even after we're saved, we think that we are a little better than we actually are in ourselves. We have to always remember and keep grace in our view. The only good in us, the only good things we can do the only thing that can honor God is because of his grace. All of it. And again, we can lose sight of that as we live our life. And as the longer that we're Christians, we can, we can lose sight of the amazing grace that not only saved us, but that we live in every day. So man, the only reason why we're seeing 2022 you know what it's by? The grace of God. Amen. You know, the only reason why we'll see tomorrow? The grace of God. You know, if we get to witness to somebody or if we get to be a light to somebody, you know why? The grace of God. It's all the grace of God. is with the person who's influencing you, the person that's, that's affecting your faith and, and thinking that you can add anything to salvation or that you can help God along at all, he says, he will bear his own judgment. Verse 11, but I brethren, if I still preach circumcision, then why am I still persecuted? If, if I'm in, in that group, then why are they persecuting me for preaching faith alone, through, you know, by grace alone? He said, then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish, here he goes, I wish that those who are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. That's what he really, he's really saying what you think he's saying. That they would really actually cut themselves off. You know what circumcision is? That's what he's talking about. They need to take care of themselves. For, for you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And some people say, yeah, but. You're saying that we can do nothing to help God or, you know, we don't have any type of, uh, any type of help at all. There's, there's no part we play. Well, of course there's a part we play. We submit to it. A lot of people look to James and get confused with James. Maybe not anybody in here, but James chapter 2 outlines that faith without works is dead. And somebody would say, aha, see, you have to work along with faith. But James was not describing a necessity of works for salvation. He was describing the nature of saving faith. True faith, just as Jesus taught, is realized. It's seen. It's it's evidenced by work. That means our attitude, our actions, our our speech, all follow in line with God's word. If true faith exists in someone's life, they will obey the Lord, they will follow Jesus, they will be faithful. They will endure as the Bible says and will not be living for themselves anymore. And that's the concern that happens when someone makes a profession of faith and their life does not look like it's devoted to Christ from the moment that they profess Christ. Is that saving faith? And that's what James addressed. James said, "There's, there's no way you can call that true faith if works aren't connected to that faith. If faith, true saving faith exists, then works will show that you actually have true saving faith. But it doesn't mean that you're helping God along. It doesn't mean that you're adding anything to. Second Corinthians chapter 5 says this. If anyone's a, in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So when someone actually gets saved, when someone actually becomes a new creature, when true faith, saving faith happens, then that change of direction happens. That change of attitude, the change of desires, everything changes because it was the grace of God. It was the spirit of God, not because someone helped God. Again, these religious people were stuck, and it was was stuck in their minds. How is it that these these Samaritans and, and other people, believers who had been saved, heard about the Gentiles getting saved by the grace of God, and it says that they, were, they, they had great joy. How is it that these people who were, who were believers had great joy hearing that somebody was saved who they thought before might not be, could be saved? And then you had this religious crowd, and you had these people that were hanging around the religious crowd who were, the Bible says, even brethren, who were still stuck in their mind that you had to be circumcised. You had to help God out. You had to add something to the grace of God. They were stuck in their minds. It was stuck in their hearts. And they were emotional about it. They were passionate about this. Now you go back and you tell them, they've got to be circumcised. That's all fine and good if these Gentiles are getting, you know, saved. But they cannot go on without being circumcised and following Moses' law. They were passionate about it. We sometimes talk about how when you're passionate about something, when you get upset about something, what's the, what's the illustration we use? Well, you're, you're seeing red. You know, I'm just, I'm so mad, I'm seeing red. psychologist came up with something years ago and, you know, and said, well, just start, start counting when you, get, when you get upset, when you feel like that you're about to act in, in emotion, start counting. Anybody do, do that? Nobody? Amen. Nobody has anger issues here. Yeah. Amen. Just count deep breath. One, two, three, four. Okay, now after I get to ten, then I then I can react. There's no questions. No no no, no questions about um, the fact that we have emotions, and our emotions can prod our flesh. And we too can get stuck on things. Even religious things. We can get stuck on things in our mind and our heart. And maybe it would be better to say we can get blinded by things. The saying, the, the statement is this blinded by emotion. Right? I, I think that whatever area it is in our life, that all of us can get blinded by emotion sometimes. Right, the, the thing that you're passionate about, that thing that you're, you you are you're zealous about, that thing that 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 gets you upset, the thing that frustrates you, the thing that 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 amps you up, or whatever the case, you can you can get blinded by emotion. And I'm not trying to paint the picture that emotions are bad. I believe emotions are God-given. Even the Bible talks about God Himself when He was on this earth getting angry at the money changers. The Bible tells us that we can be angry, but don't sin. So emotions are good, I believe, when they are spiritually led and spiritually controlled, when they're in right context. But we all know, and if you don't know, this is the truth. Emotions can be very misleading. And again, to the point of blinding us. The Bible uses the word heart as the seat of emotion. We, we know that the, the, the physical vessel that's in our chest, the physical heart that's pumping blood, that doesn't actually produce emotions. That's not where we actually feel emotions as far as the, the production center. That's not, the heart is not that. Now we feel a change in our physical heart whenever our emotions run. And the reason why we feel that is because there are chemicals that are released in our body that our heart has to pump to the rest of our body. And so that's why we start feeling that fight or flight uh, sensation whenever emotions start to run, right? You start getting upset about something. You start getting scared about something. You start getting excited about something. Your brain triggers uh, chemical releases. Chemical releases go into the bloodstream. The heart says, oh, we gotta go. Boom, 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 it starts hearting. That's why your your starts pumping. That's why your heart starts to get uh, amped up during those times of high emotion. I think it's fitting that the Bible would say your heart, because that's where we feel a lot of those emotions sometimes. Sometimes it's our gut. But we have to be careful about our emotions. I think this is so important that we're seeing this on this first Sunday of 2022. Because, man, we went through a lot of emotions in 2021. A, even a year before that, went to a lot of emotions. Our world is in an emotional state right now. There's so many believers that are driven by emotion right now. These religious people were blinded by their emotion. They were, they were controlled by their, their passions, their passion for circumcision and, 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 and for obeying Moses' law they were disregarding the grace of God. They were disregarding the work of the Spirit. And they were being blinded by emotions. Again, it was their, the, the, their heart that was leading them astray. And that's why scriptures like Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, where it says the heart is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick. Who can know it? Desperately wicked. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, we're commanded or charged in wisdom to guard our heart, to keep our heart with all vigilance. vigilance. I'm sorry. The reason why is it's from it flow the springs of life. Again, that's why those scriptures are so important. And point number two is this this morning. If you get stuck on something emotional, you can miss the spirit. It, see, if, 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 you, if, you, if you try to add something to the grace of God, you can miss salvation. But once, once you're saved, if, if you and I get stuck on something emotional, we can miss the spirit's work in our life, through our our life, and around our life. Again, I'm not saying there's no emotion in the Spirit of God. I believe quite the opposite. I believe that whenever the Spirit of God is, is filling us and the Spirit of God is working in us and around us and through us, I believe that we're emotional. I believe that there's an excitement or there's a discernment or there's a concern or there's a passion. I believe all of those things. However, I believe that our flesh can affect our emotions and our flesh can drive our emotions just as the spirit can affect and spirit can drive our emotions. See I believe that our, our again, our emotions are a gift from God. We can, we can be ha- happy and joyful and excited and, 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 and sad and angry and, and, and passionate, we can have all those emotions all blessings from God, all the things that we can experience to, to live in a healthy way and healthy relationships on this earth. The Bible says that there's a time to, to, to weep and there's a time to mourn. There's a time to rejoice and there's a time for war. There's a time for death. There's a time for all those things. God's given us emotions to deal with every circumstance of life. But what's driving those emotions and what's controlling those emotions We're to guard our heart. Even those of us who have the Spirit of God in us. If you're here this morning and you're saved, then the Holy Spirit of God, Almighty God, has taken up residence in your life. He is supposed to be on the throne. He is the one calling the shots. He is the one directing and teaching and convicting and doing all the things as, as, again, the, the controlling factor in our life. But we, you and I as Christians with the Holy Spirit in us, have to do a daily check and sometimes a moment-by-moment check of our emotional drive. Am I emotionally driven right now by my flesh or am I emotionally driven right now by the Spirit? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolish unto him. Neither can he know them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. It's only those of us who have the Spirit of God in us that can discern the spiritual things from the fleshly things, from the worldly things, from the earthly things. And I think there can be a difficulty in discerning fleshly emotion and spiritually prompted emotion. I think there can be a difficulty there. Right. I mean, you can you can be in the flesh. You can be in this this auditorium. And we can have songs that are sung, and, and the music can be good. The, the 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 vocal harmony can be good. The sound be perfect. All those things, and it just sound good. And you, not in the spirit, only in the flesh, can get riled up and emotional because of something physical or something fleshly. So what happens when you turn the radio on? Right. It's a song that you're not even really engaged in, but it's toe tapping or it's hand clapping or it's something you can sing to. Again, our flesh can prompt emotions, but we have to make sure that we're not operating like that. One of the greatest tools that God has given to us as Christians is the unity of the Spirit. On top of the unity of the Spirit that comes with the Spirit of God is the peace of God. And all of those are held together by the word of God. Well, there's so many people make emotional decisions, spiritual decisions, life decisions, important decisions in fleshly emotional states. And then because it's what makes them feel good or maybe feel right, or maybe what it, it it pleases their flesh to do, they have this false sense of spiritual peace. I really believe it's what God wanted me to do, because it just felt really good. I just really, I really wanted this. God knew that I wanted this. God knew that this is what I how I want it to happen, this is where I want it to go. God, God knew all those things, so it has to be from God. but what is actually produced is maybe division or the absence of peace or a, a disconnection from the body or a disconnection from the will of God or a disconnection from the fellowship or, or whatever the case may be. That, that is not, again, spiritually discerning, that is not of God. These people who make these decisions in emotional states can do this, sometimes and have unreconciled relationships with other believers. I'm just going to go to another church. I can have even ought something, not just an unreconciled, but have a problem, an issue, ought with another believer, and then still say, "I think it's God's will." I feel good about this. Know this: that's not spiritually driven emotion. That's not of the Spirit of God. let me make this clear. I'm, I'm almost done. I'm not saying that you can't have a disagreement with someone. We, we see that even in the text. You know, they were, they were disagreeing on, on, on this doctrinal issue about circumcision and obeying Moses' law. And it says that Paul himself and Barnabas, they had a, they had a, a great disagreement. They had a, they had a great debate over this thing. But it was about a doctrinal thing, about a spiritual truth. You know what I'm trying to say is there's so many people who make decisions in the flesh and then say it is of the Spirit as they're disregarding the Scriptures, as they're disregarding the directives in Scripture, as they're forsaking the unity of the body. That is not of the Spirit of God. These Pharisees got stuck on something that they thought was right. They were emotional about it. They were passionate about it. And in their passion and in their emotion, they closed themselves off to God and what God had done and what God was doing because they were blinded by emotion. They were closed off to the Spirit. And we've already talked about this in the study that we've gone through here. There's nothing special about Barnabas and and Paul in and of themselves. What made them unique and what made them special as they brought this news of Gentiles being saved? What what was unique about them? That these religious leaders and and these these Pharisees, these people who were established in that Jerusalem church, that that they, they were questioning them. What made these guys special was the fact that God anointed them for this. God chose them and he was used. It was all God's doing. Yes, they submitted, but it was all God. They were sinners saved by grace just like you and I. They were installed by that same grace, just like you and I, into the church. It was the same for them then as it is for us today. There's some that God sets as leaders, there's some that God puts in places, all at God's pleasure, all by God's grace. Every single member of this church is simply just special because of God's grace. These Pharisees, these Judaizers were in the flesh. They were stuck on these things. They were emotional. They were passionate that they were right about what they knew they were right about. And in their zeal, not only were they missing the grace of God and salvation, but their passion and their emotion was affecting other people's faith too. Others were held under this umbrella of fear. Others, because of their passion, we're held under this umbrella of works for salvation and, and adding to the grace of God versus walking in, in faith and grace alone. And this morning, I wanna say this, maybe you are not or maybe you are like the Pharisees. You have a thought that you can do enough to be saved. Maybe you're trying to be a good person and you, you, you said the prayer before, but just in case you're gonna try to be as good as you can be. You can help God out. Maybe you have your own thought of salvation. I want to tell you this morning, you're missing the free gift of God because there's nothing we can do to add, take away. It's only by God's grace alone. Maybe you're here this morning and say, that's not me. I know it's by the grace of God alone. I know that I'm saved. I know without a shadow of a doubt that I'm on my way to heaven and it's only by God's grace. And every day I live, I know it's by the grace of God. I can do nothing outside of the grace of God that can glorify God. That's me right now. But maybe you're here in emotions, fleshly emotions. Passion is keeping you from either experiencing the spirit or being led of the spirit. Maybe your emotions have, has, have caused you to, to be in an unreconciled relationship with another believer. Maybe your, 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 your fleshly emotions are blinding you to what God is wanting to do with the unity of the Spirit. Maybe there's just a, a little bit of division. Christians, maybe your emotions have driven you to the wrong place. Less connected. Less unified. Please hear me this morning. This 2022. Don't get stuck on something emotional and be robbed of experiencing the unity, the peace, and the blessings that come from the Spirit of God. Have a fresh start this new year. Get things right. Don't start off on the wrong foot. Start off on the right foot. Let's be a church unified, Let's be a church that's driven by the Spirit, that our emotions are produced by this. Let's make sure that we, we get spiritually right as we start this new year. And man, let's get going. Let's see some amazing things because of God's Spirit, because of God's grace, because we're not in the way. Let's make sure that we're out of the way and let the Spirit do what He wants to do. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for all you do in our life, God. We thank you for this word this morning. Thank you for the example that we have in, in Scripture. Um, these, these apostles that were experiencing the great work that you did, that your spirit was doing among the Gentiles. And um, Lord, we realize as we saw that it's all your grace. The fact that Paul the apostle, you who used to be Saul the Pharisee, the, the persecutor of the church, the murderer of Christians, was being used to, to reach the lost. Again, your grace. And Lord, as we see that there were those who were religious, they were, they were emotional. They were blinded by their emotions. They were missing what your spirit was doing, not only in the Gentiles, but all over the earth. And I pray that we would learn these lessons this morning. God, that we would take them with us and, and that we would start off 2022 on the right foot. God, that we would, would make sure that we have our emotions in check, Lord, that we are we're being spiritually driven and that our emotions are spiritually driven or that we are operating in grace and that we're not trying to add anything to, um, again, just operating in that, that perfect grace. Well, we ask you to move now as we respond to your word. and We'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as he sings, I want to encourage you to come.